I have always loved storytelling. As a child growing up in a small town in Southern Oregon, we didn't have much money, and so to entertain myself, I would sit at our kitchen table for hours and write stories on lined white notebook paper. I read my stories to anyone who would listen, my mom, my dad, sisters, babysitters, grandparents, and mostly to my stuffed animals. When I wasn't writing, I was reading voraciously. As an adult, I am still insatiably curious and believe that the stories we tell as people and brands have tremendous impact in how we connect with one another and the world around us. In today's world, with the massive amounts of data and distribution available, we have the opportunity to understand and connect through stories people care about. As the president of the Story Lab, my team works with big and small clients every day to align, uncover, organize, architect, develop, create, distribute, and measure those stories that will capture hearts and minds of people with whom they want to build a relationship. In a world that is converging rapidly, the stories we tell, share, and move us to consider or act will be more important than ever before. My name is Shannon Pruitt, and I am the president of the Story Lab. Celebrating the work, lives, and achievements of women in Western North America. The Drum presents Exceptional Women Out West, hosted by the Drum North America Editor-at-Large, Doug Zanger. Let's do three questions. Great. What was your first disappointment, and how did you deal with it? My first disappointment, career disappointment, was I had a very close relationship with my first boss and my first real job. Mm -hmm. And... I came out, guns a-blazing, had my MBA, I was ready to go, right, right. I was crushing my job, I was so excited, everyone told me how great I was. I went in, I said, here are all the wonderful things I've been doing, here's why I have contributed and how I'm operating above my level, I would like a raise and a promotion. And she looked at me as a woman and said, when I was 27 years old, and she said, when I was your age, I made my age. And I said, what? <laughs> I just gave you the like confused puppy the dog confused look. The confused puppy yeah, dog look, right? Head, Which right. was not the desired response. No. <laughs> because it didn't speak to any of the qualities or credibility that I had just set up to say, here's why I deserve it. It really came back to, here's what happened to me, so this should happen to you. I get it. And as a female... Right now working and at the time I was working in the sports business and I am very close to this woman now I learned a tremendous amount from her sure. she was a very good role model for me she pushed me really hard so I learned a lot but in terms of how I think about women mentoring women in this business and thinking well she's a female so she will be my advocate and my mentor right that wasn't what was transpiring it was very much about being a woman in a man's world and in a man's business and it was massively disappointing because if she would have come back and said to me listen you're doing great here you're doing great here here's three things you need to work on in order to get this opportunity to be promoted and get this raise I would have been okay with that because I could have wrapped my head around something actionable it's actionable and it speaks to my actual job not right. that I should be paid my age because of my age coming from someone who's supposed to be a mentor to me. Yeah. Tell that to, you know, some of the young upstarts today who are, well, I mean, absolutely. But that, but it's very much influenced the way, like my senior leadership team and a large part of our agency is actually women. Mm -hmm. 
now it's something I'm very aware of. It's a conscious, not a decision. You always hire the best person for yeah, the absolutely. role. Sure. But I think in terms of the way that I nurture and create a culture and an environment that supports, embraces, and empowers women at all stages of their career and their life journey is really important to me. Yeah, and sports is definitely, that's a very hard driving, very challenging environment. It's not, you don't get as many warm fuzzies in there. You don't, and it's interesting though. I loved it because in theory, I have the personality and the pieces that can contribute and sort of be one of them, right? But then on some level, when I transitioned and took my knowledge base that I had learned in that industry, in that space, and applied it to entertainment, the world opened up to me. And I was extremely cognizant of that very, very early on, which is why when the opportunity came along, I said, that's a good opportunity for me. Why do we overcomplicate our work? I think we overcomplicate because we're not present and we don't listen. So we're so busy multitasking while somebody is asking you for something or you're not present so you don't realize that in this moment we shouldn't have an email conversation i can just pick up the phone during which time i should listen to you to understand so we can have a very sort of purposeful conversation make our decision and move on but i think everyone gets so caught up in this notion of doing we're not present we're, we're thinking about what we didn't do what we need to do what's happening in parallel to whatever we're doing now. Mm -hmm. And we're not present in our own lives. We're not present in our discussions. We're not present in what we need to be doing. And that makes things more complicated than they need to be. The phone. Yes. Do you remember what it is? (laughs) That it's so funny because one of my best friends, he just laughs. You know, he's like, I I love the fact that you still like to use the phone. (laughs) I don't. It's funny. I don't like to talk my poor mother because I don't talk on the phone personally a lot or to my sister who I love tremendously or my best friends because I'm on the phone all the time for work that I don't actually I get tired of talking. But as a tool for the minute I start to find myself now being pulled into a email conversation. <laughs> air I start, quotes. I just had to there say, is I air to say quotes. there were air I quotes Email right. conversation, air quotes. <laughs> I am like, what am I doing? This is a waste of my time and right. a waste of their time. I'm going to pick up the phone. Right. And the surprise on the other end is always the part that gets me and makes me laugh. Simplicity comes down to actually just communicating by voice. It's it's honestly the truth. You can get things done. And it's also, it's a different form of, again, I think because I believe that empathy is a very powerful emotion in how we actually come together as human beings. Amen. And so a voice conversation transforms what is a very benign without feeling emotion, tone, et cetera, into something that becomes constructive and proactive and you can rally or you can disagree, but at least there's like that connection that's happening that is unlike what we can achieve over email or text message or any other. Maybe maybe now with emojis, we have a little more no, opportunity, no, no. but. Right, right. No, I, I, I look at it this way. The, the phone is the vinyl of technology. It is. So just, it is. just go ahead and just, you know. We're gonna start collecting them. You know, that's, that works, that works. What's the most important decision that people can make in their careers and specifically extending that out women in their careers? I think the most important decision that a woman can make 
and I say this to my team and basically anybody who will listen to me, <laughs> kind of like how I used to write the stories to my stuffed animals. Right, <laughs> they right, were an audience right. that didn't have, they're a captive audience. Right. Um, but is that there's no such thing as balance. So you have to, and, and actually I was just at a conference and Jeff Bezos said it the best, which he said, he called it harmony. And I think, again, that goes back to the ability to be present and the ability to be okay that you're not going to be perfect at everything and that you have to rely on the things that you do best and the things you know you do best and have the courage to know when you don't know something or don't know how to do something or if you're feeling overwhelmed to be vulnerable. Like, it's all okay. Right. But, yeah, the, the notion that there is no such thing as balance and that we all sort of pursue this hypothetical non-existent balance <laughs> puts extreme pressure on all of us and it's not something that's achievable let's go to the must list what is a must do i think a must do is to always be a beginner at something mm -hmm. which sounds cliche but I think if you're not continuously challenging yourself to learn something new, and that can be anything from cooking to a language to how to take a creative writing class, take a better photo on Instagram, like whatever yeah. it is that sort of floats your boat and you feel like that gives you a sense of achievement, validation, excitement, enthusiasm for life. You know, I think it's so important because I think, again, it goes back to empathy. Mm -hmm. Right. Which mm -hmm. is if you're always a beginner at something, you can always remember what it's like to not be an expert mm -hmm. or proficient. It is like a gateway for all other things. Right. Because, you know, if you're a beginner at cooking, you know, suddenly you have a much different appreciation for the Sunday night meals that your mother made as a child or, oh, totally, you know, what right? your That's nanny, if you have a nanny, right. what your nanny does every day. Like my empathy is highest on Monday mornings when my nanny arrives and I'm like, huh. Right. That's not Welcome exactly back. It. Yeah. But it's interesting because that learning, you're talking about things that are both simple and complicated. Yes. So the simple part of it is sort of the, yeah, that's logical, all of that. But it's not like you're learning how to make, you know, a Rube Goldberg right. contraption. No, so, yeah. no. And, and I think it's all of those things, you know, they're good for the human soul, but they're also mm -hmm. good for the human race. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and for the record, if you want to learn how to take a good Instagram photo, take a better one, just go to a hipster brunch in Los Feliz. You'll be fine. <laughs> Excuse me. How did, what, what filter are you using? <laughs> <laughs> That's so jujun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is a must experience? I think a must experience is to live in another culture or to mm -hmm. travel extensively to another culture where you are not the same as everyone else. You were in Japan, if I recall. I was. I lived there for two years. Oh, that you're you stand out. In a village. And oh, taught wow. in a very small junior high and kindergarten. Oh my god. In gosh. a very small village. And lived in a town where there were only other four other gaijin, which are yeah, foreigners. Yeah. I worked for the Bank of Tokyo there you for go. three years. Okay, so. so you know. Were you on Hokkaido or? Uh, no, no, I was Kishu? in Chibaken and oh, okay. Honshu. Okay, yeah. in Honshu, okay. Yeah. Wow. It was a very interesting experience. I went there, I was a Japanese major in college. I went there to become fluent in the language. I, I got into the JET program, which is a Japanese oh, yeah, exchange yeah. teaching oh, program. Yeah. So I was part of the JET program. And 
while I was there, I knew I wanted to go into international sports business, which is, so I applied to the MBA program at Oregon and I got in. But the impact of that time in Japan was so transformative that when I came back to the US, I, I literally felt as if no one would recognize me. So people would be like, hi, Shannon. I'd be like, you, you, re you remember me? Like, I'm so different now. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, you know, it, I wasn't different other than I just spoke junior high level English at that point because I couldn't remember any words beyond that category of grammar. <laughs> yeah. Shannon does. Yeah, and yeah. I would answer the phone, mushy mushy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. What's a must read? A uh, must read is The Four Agreements which I love just as a foundation for life, but also for business. Mm -hmm. And if you know what the four agreements are. Give, um, us, give us the snapshot. So the four agreements is basically four agreements that you make with yourself, which fundamentally is sort of treat people how you want to be treated. Mm -hmm. But it's be considerate, be impeccable with your words, be courageous, right? But have and mindful and be thoughtful and empathetic. It seems so elementary at its core but if you operate that way as a human being both in your life and in your professional life you will always have integrity you will always treat people with kindness you won't experience things like regret mm -hmm. because you'll be focused on sort of the fundamental core human issues of both who you are but also how you treat people mm -hmm. and that goes a tremendously long way what's a must learn a must learn is learn to be present Learn to take a few minutes. If you actually listen to a lot of really great podcasts, so I love podcasts, so that's why I'm so excited to be here. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> is that when they interview people that are highly successful, a lot of them do things like meditate mm -hmm. or yoga because the notion of being present and calming your inner self is critically important in thinking, in you know having an imagination, in the ability to organize your thoughts and create a mental model so that you could actually do whatever it is you're thinking about doing. Mm -hmm. It's why people who lay on massage tables have that like weird golden moment where you might go, wow, I think I just created something or I solved a problem. Right. And so the notion of learning to be present is very calming in this world that is very complicated, like we're talking about. And so I found myself being very wound up by my external environment. Um, that can happen where you just start spinning, spinning, yeah, spinning, and, spinning. And having right. anxiety yeah. and it was carrying over from my work to my home yep. and my home to my work. And so a friend of mine was like, have you tried meditation? And I was like, no, I've kind of wanted to or whatever. So I downloaded an app and I started meditating in my car in the parking lot when I got to work because it was the only place that like was quiet. But I think it's been tremendously helpful and it's tremendously helpful in the way I think about my job. It's tremendously helpful when I'm at home with my kids and really trying to remember to be home with my kids and my mm -hmm. husband and not be like on my phone looking at email while my child is sitting there going, mommy, 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 right? And on the third mommy, I'm like, oh my goodness. Right. So it's a muscle. You have to train the muscle. But I think learning to do that makes you more successful in life, but also in your work. What's something you've never been asked before that you would love somebody to ask? I would love someone to ask me what I will do when I retire. No one's asked you that, huh? No one has ever asked me that. Hmm. Mostly because 
I think I'm in a sort of the prime of, right. you know, right. young child raising, family life, career, mm-hmm. etc. Oh, I'm ready for a time. <laughs> me yeah, too. Yeah. That's why I can't believe no one's ever asked me. I'm yeah. like, don't yeah. you want to know? Yeah. And I think part of it is there's kind of a few things. I am quite philanthropic in spirit. So I have a daughter with special needs. Mm-hmm. So advocating for her syndrome, Angelman syndrome is the syndrome she has, advocating for her and also trying to build a resource for her to live a long, healthy life after I am not here anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's very important to me and for other families that have similar experience. I will write a book. Like I said, I used to write stories on notebook paper forever. I've I, been an aspirational author for probably, I don't know, 42 years. You, you got to start getting it done. I got to start getting it done. <laughs> I know. Talk about like really long uh, aspirations. You know, that's a long stretch. Yeah. And then I want to go to the places that I haven't been that I so really want to go. Fill in the gaps yeah, a little bit. Fill in there. the gaps. Fill in the time that, you know, you kind of take these pockets in your life where you have to focus. You have a four-year-old and a seven-year-old, right? Mm-hmm. You have to focus. And there's times where you have to buckle down and that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. And then there are other times where you can free yourself up to do some of the things that you can spend a little more time in the things that you want to do. And they'll visit us at the Oregon coast. When exactly. You there you go. When I move to Bandon or Cannon beach, <laughs> Manzanita. Yeah. I might move to Montecito actually. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have a house in, in. Yeah. <laughs> those are my aspirational goals. That comes after my very successful New York times bestselling author. You got to get or, that one done you know, first. Yeah. Let's get working on that. Yeah. Here's where I compliment you. This is, what we do every show, we find, you know, we find some things about people. So, you know, we've been talking to our friend Donna, who yeah. we just adore and love. We do. And we're both natives of Minnesota. So, you know, she, as we were talking about this podcast, she said, oh, yeah, you're, I'm way overdoing the accent <laughs> here. So, oh, yeah, you're going to love her. She didn't mention the Oregon thing, by the way, which uh, that was a very pleasant surprise. But the thing that kept coming back that Donna kept saying, and I kept looking and researching and looking, she said, Shannon's masterful at the craft and the art of the story. Hmm. And it's interesting that you brought up that past because I didn't know that. And so it's really kind of a kismet kind of thing where you wrote these stories and you were writing these stories. It's, it's funny you say that my son just randomly comes home with these four page books that are illustrated and has some story about, awesome. you know, a Martian eating cheese. Yeah. Just something yeah. genuinely. My little, like that. my six year old right. writes stories about, you know, the squirrel and the turtle right. all the time. And right. you're like, and I love that. Right. So Donna said she just, she's all about the story and every facet of, of what she's doing. And Th- that is proving to be incredibly true. And then seeing the work that you guys are doing as well, you kind of got this thing on lockdown. So <laughs> well, nice, you. nicely so. done. How does that, how does that feel? Do you feel as though that you've hit that point where, you know, we think about we've reached, you know, 50%, 60% of what we're capable of. How do you, where do you feel you're standing right now, both individually and as a company as well as um, one of the leaders? Well, it's very kind and I very much appreciate the compliments. I would say not even 50%, you know, I think what we're capable of. And part of that is driven, you know, personally, I push myself all the time and I am, like I said, insatiably curious. So I'm interested in so many things that I'll always feel like I'm at like 35% Mm -hmm. because I'm interested in that and I'm interested in that and I'm interested in that. And I, and I met this person and they told me this story. And, and so that's why I love what I do is 
I actually fundamentally believe that the power of storytelling is incredible because all of this chaos and all of this, you know, technology and distribution and supply of content and all of those things, those are going to continue to multiply at a pace like we've never seen before. And that will make my job more complex. Mm -hmm. But if I can always simplify back to the story being at the heart of it, I can always navigate myself and this agency through those changes. Every show, we like to give our guests an opportunity to say what's on their mind, whatever they want. Without further ado, the floor is yours. As a leader of an agency that is essentially still a startup, still a baby in, as it relates to the, or toddler, if you will, in this world of content marketing, is to say that what I love about this space is that the playing field is being exponentially leveled. Right, the fact that there's so many interesting people out there, and I was just at a dinner last night, and we were having this conversation about how there's all these interesting people coming together all the time. And they're coming together at conferences, and they're coming together in meetings, and they're coming together and all these things. And I think one of the things that we were talking about last night is that we don't use those forums enough to actually try to solve some of the, the things that we're all challenged by. And so, you know, I guess that's what's really been on my mind as of late is how can we, you know, we're all getting ready, gearing up to go to Cannes and then, you know, <laughs> before we know it, it'll be CES and then Recode and then, you know, all of those things. We spend a lot of time listening to other people tell us about here's my journey and here's our challenges and here's mm -hmm. all these things. But the reality is we're all faced by the same things. It sounds so a bit repetitive, doesn't it? It does. It, it's, yeah. you know, and so my bigger question starts to center around like how can we actually build something that addresses some of that mm -hmm. so that you can still be there as the really big inspirational thought leader industry hero right. thought leader person <laughs> but at the same time like there's a lot of smart people around you whether they are in startups very established businesses when I was there the CEO Ginny was from IBM was speaking and just to hear about their journey and how that's transforming and how, you know, artificial intelligence and everyone's talking about artificial intelligence, but we're all talking about in pockets and like, what are we actually doing about thinking about how we can apply that to not only the industries that are quickly being applied to like healthcare, et cetera, going to space, et cetera, that whole but thing. also like, how do we think about it for disabilities and, mm -hmm. and, and, and that is happening. But I think with the people that we all kind of interact with all the time, there's so much greater opportunity. And that just sort of struck me last night when I was having these conversations of like, you know, there's never breakout sessions at anything. <laughs> right. Right. Let's have a, let's have a conference built on breakout sessions. And sorting out. And solving issues, right? Yeah. Like there's verticals that we take on and we say, great. You know, and it could be in our field. It could be unrelated to our field. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think it's a it's an interesting thing that sort of as an agency leader who gets to do a lot of things, I'm very fortunate in that way. But at the same time, I like to use that time to improve for the greater good. Much like the must list, like if you give one last piece of advice or wisdom, the last word to wrap up the show. My last word is to never judge a book by its cover. The reality is it's like a calm ocean, right? There's always a lot going on beneath the surface. 
I'm very much driven by a, what I would call a human center. Mm-hmm. And I find that a lot of the folks that I'm around now are busy all the time and they're stressed all the time. And if you can spend more than five minutes with someone, you can start to have a personal interaction. But by the same token, if someone's not having a good day, right, sometimes it's a little bit harder. Or I always tell my husband we're perfect on paper. But if you start to dig beneath the surface, right, our lives can be quite hard. You know, we have a very severely disabled daughter. We've got two other kids, both have careers. And these are high class problems, but they're very human problems Mm -hmm. and issues that go along with that. And so I try to always remind people, you can never judge a book by its cover. We might have a meeting. I actually don't know anything about you, so make an effort to get to know something about someone that goes beyond like, what's your point of view on content measurement? (laughs) (laughs) You know, which is super exciting. I'm gonna put that on a loop. Which I love, (laughs) right? right? right. But at the end of the day is not really who I am. And so it is the stories that we have to tell that sit beneath the surface, that sit inside the book, beyond the sexy cover, that make us the most fascinating and make us who we are and make us wanna work together and be together in our communities and be together on this planet and will be the things that take us forward. And it's that kind of consciousness that I think is really important. Shannon, thank you very much for taking the time today. Really appreciate it. Very enjoyable catching up and go Ducks. It was very fun. Go Ducks. Woohoo!